This is an EM Pulse Heartbeat with your host, Julia Magana. Woo, summer is over and I feel like I traveled a ton. I had a lot of fun with my kiddos on the beaches of Guam, got to go to DC, go to the EMSC meeting, a million things were going on and more, but I'm not sure I'm more rested from the whole process. It has been busy and awesome, but restful it was not. I am thankful that school just started and we can get into the routine of life just a little bit more. On that note, we are talking today about physician wellness. We discussed wellness in our ninth episode, Thriving, Not Surviving. But there are so many facets to this topic that when we heard Dr. Andra Blomkins talk about physician wellness at Western Regional SAM in April, we couldn't pass by the opportunity to get her perspective. Dr. Andra Blumkins is the professor and chair of the Emergency Medicine Department at Stanford University. She developed an interest in wellness when she was a residency director and med students were like, oh, and what are you doing for wellness? And she was like, um, what is wellness? <laughs> okay, it's a little bit of a simplification. But this is another example of how medicine is changing and it's being pushed forward from the bottom up. And I love it. Everyone seems to have a different definition of what wellness is. So I wanted to start off by hearing her definition of wellness and burnout. So wellness is the ability to adapt, the ability to withstand or accept risk, and also feel fulfilled from whatever professional activity that is. If we're talking about wellness within the context of um, employment or professionalism, burnout is the physical, emotional, and mental exhaustion that comes with repeated demands that can't be met. I like that. I also kind of like how the happy MD defines wellness. And he said, it's about how much you enjoy yourself, how much you feel your work makes a difference in people's lives, the quality of your relationships with the people most important to you. People often associate wellness with yoga retreats and long walks on the beach, which are awesome. But is that really where wellness stems from? We wanted to ask Dr. Blumkins if she felt that same way. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, there are lots of, I think that's immediately the conjure up the image of the lotus flower and the person sitting in, you know, yoga poses and that sort of thing. I do think that's part of it. I do feel as though mindfulness has a significant role in helping burnout and facilitating wellness. But I think we're... Most of us are, you know, from STEM fields necessarily and maybe scientifically minded that it seems too soft for us. We don't think it, it kind of has this notion of being, um, I don't know, maybe even slightly religious or cultish or something that it's not actually a tool. And I think if we rephrase the conversation and say, these are tools that you can use to help you if you're burned out or if you want to facilitate wellness and make them very objective, make them available. I mean, yoga up until recently was fairly inaccessible. I mean, it was pretty hard to find a place to do yoga in a way that where you weren't embarrassed unless you were very good. It's true, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> I think I'm still embarrassed. <laughs> no, I am embarrassed too. But but the population in general is fairly forgiving. You know, I mean, like the first time I did it at the ashram, I kicked over a lava lamp, and it was just like it was hot, and I burned my foot, and it was just like such a disaster. But 
nonetheless, I think we have to make those accessible. We have to make them accessible within the environment. If we have to travel across town to go to a yoga class, that's not going to benefit us. We have to have it close to us. But you see it now in airports and you see it closer to um, academic institutions. So I think we're getting there. I love the image of knocking over a lava lamp. I'm pretty sure that's something that I would have done as well. At UC Davis, our department has a vice chair of wellness, and she purposefully integrates wellness activities, personal relationships, and even into system-based decisions. I love that. I love that purposeful integration of wellness. But I wanted to hear what she was doing at Stanford as well. Okay, now granted, she was a new department chair at that time. But what was she doing for wellness at Stanford? Honestly, I'm still figuring that out. I am, quite frankly, still learning my own faculty and learning the institution. I do know that I've got a fantastic group of people who have the capacity to tolerate burnout and be well However, our system makes it very difficult. Uh, Our system, specifically operations, makes it very difficult to maintain a sense of wellness and resilience. I've worked in five-ish, I guess now six different hospitals, only two institutions, but different hospital settings. And where we are right now is by far the toughest, I feel like, emotionally and physically exhausting place. And I've worked at county places, large places, small places, community places, university places. And for whatever the reason, and it's not anyone's fault, it's just the system that's been built up in this environment is not conducive to efficient patient care. And that is really, really, really affecting my clinicians and my faculty, my residents, and it's something we need to figure out. So one of our faculty, uh, Lale Garabagian, she's our medical director, just did a nice presentation to the professionalism committee about how people speak to people in the emergency department and how that cultural phenomenon, however it was born or built or whatever, but it significantly affects providers and it affects patients and it affects the culture of our entire system. And what can we do to address that? So it's getting really big. It's not just us trying to figure out how to be well. It's us trying to talk to the whole system to figure out how to make it work better for us. And not just for us, but for patients. I was also interested on how you actually measure this. How do you monitor wellness? Well, I think, I do think a part of it, and I said that in my talk, you know it when you see it. And I think um, knowing people who or trying to identify people who don't look good uh, or might be burned out and trying to identify those people or have help those people or perhaps have a monitoring program within where we try to help those people. And everybody's going to get burned out at some point. It's not like some people get burned out and some people don't. Everybody ends up in this boat at some point in their lives, some less, some more, whatever the case may be. But I feel like building a culture where we're kind of monitoring each other and trying to help each other uh, through that would be effective. I mean, the scientist in me wants to figure out something where I can have numbers or measure a blood level and whatnot, and we'll probably work on some of that to try to figure out something else. It would have to be combined because a big part of burnout is a self-assessment that you're burned out. If you don't think you're burned out, you're not burned out. So I do think part of the measuring is going to be that self-assessment of some sort of survey. I personally believe physician wellness is influenced at several levels, the system-wide, the departmental, and at the personal level. And at the core of that really are those system-wide issues that threaten wellness. So I wanted to see what system-wide solutions she saw. 
I'm a big believer in giving people the raw materials to do their job. And I feel like so often, particularly in emergency medicine, we are trained and we make do with what we have. If we don't have the right size gloves, we'll wear something else. If we don't have the right size suture, we'll use something else. Um, If we can't admit to such and such service, we'll figure out somebody else. Give us the basic tools we need to do our job. And a big part of that is using the EHR. And we see that struggling with particularly more senior physicians who didn't grow up with it. They weren't digital natives and didn't work with the EHR, how much they struggle. It's not that hard to help them. A two or three hour session with one of the EHR gurus or champions or whatever could potentially change the way they work clinically before they start developing bad habits on how they do it. The EHR, I feel, is evil in a big part of this. And to whatever degree those specific companies or otherwise can work with providers to make that less arduous or less oppressive, we actually have some potential hope. And it's confined, and we know what it is, and we know what the tools are needed to do it. I don't think it's rocket science. I think it's something that's very achievable. What about at the departmental level? I think a big part of burnout is the interpersonal isolation. And that to whatever degree, if you can facilitate get-togethers of some type that don't have to be expensive necessarily, not all departments have great budgets, But some interaction between people, between people and their families, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It can be a picnic. It could be a volleyball game. It could be anything. But so that people don't feel like they're so alone. Some of the interventions that have been studied include having physicians just able to talk to each other. And if you think about, or at least I think about when I've gone home over time and my loved ones who were at home, I wanted to talk about my shift. They didn't want to talk about my shift. But I felt like I had to talk about it with somebody. So can we implement something where you're able actually to talk about your shift in a way that helps you decompress or otherwise? Uh, Those are kind of two separate things. I think one is having a peer group where you can reflect on stories and things. People feel better if they tell their story. And it doesn't have to be immediate or right after your shift. But if people got together and talked about their stories and their difficulties and their challenges, I think that would help. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely huge for me. I have uh, two PEM colleagues that are good friends of mine, and I call it my Emily Leah therapy. <laughs> right. Yeah, because they were very much able to like help me talk through it. They understand. They help me come up with solutions. <laughs> it's yeah. like a legit therapy, peer therapy session. Right. <laughs> or if they just listen. Yeah. My absolutely. dog is fabulous at this. Yeah. She listens to all of it. She seldom comes up with solutions, but she's a darn good listener, and uh, and it really helps. I love that about the dog. And for me, there is nothing more therapeutic after a rough shift or a rough situation than talking to one of my colleagues or friends. But I wanted to know, are there any other strategies on the individual level that we can use to maintain wellness? I'll go back to forcing themselves to interact with other people. Um, I think, one, isolating yourself or becoming a hermit is, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, I mean that sometimes people just need time by themselves, and I understand that, but if that becomes the preference and that becomes the norm, I think that's a huge problem. So if your colleagues or if a department, you notice that somebody didn't show up to the Christmas party and they RSVP'd yes, or even if they RSVP'd no, they may have had a good reason, or didn't show up to journal club, or didn't show up to whatever, 
and they normally do, reach out to that person, have a plan to where, re- where someone would reach out to that person. And I don't think, uh, I don't know whether or not to put it on the burden of specific friends or specific people, but a culture that would say, hey, you know, where's Earl? Earl usually comes to these things and find out what's going on with Earl. And that's not to say, oh, he's at home committing suicide or drinking himself to death. It's that something about Earl's life, barring that anything significant happened, he didn't want to come. He didn't want to interact. And I think that's just the danger zone. And as much as we can help people stay engaged and stay interacting with their colleagues, um, that's where we have the best success. And uh, I mentioned before, I kind of view the human race as uh, animals and uh and as long as, you know, there's the herd and the flock, everything is fine. But as soon as something starts, you know, falling behind or not being with the pack, you might as well cue up the music that, you know, has the cheetah come and like eat them. It's a risk factor. We need to stay together. We need to interact uh, to maintain wellness and be healthy. We have a responsibility to each other and to our patients to keep ourselves well. We should all take on this challenge to go to our leaders and discuss physician wellness on a systems, departmental, and personal level. Be well and see you next time.